Welcome to episode 645 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, I do welcome along to episode 645 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Pretty good, Bevan. Yourself? You know that little cup you got in there in front of you? That's a Marmite jar that's about 100 years old. Really? Mm. It's white. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe not 100 years. I can't imagine Marmite was around 100 years ago. Mm. Oh, you reckon? Maybe it was. 1920? Mm. I'm not a Marmite fan, so I my, wouldn't my, know. my nephew works as, he's like a drain layer, something like that. Mm-hmm. Just digging up some drainage, found an old marmite jar. <laughs> and we, when we did the research, yeah. that might be worth a billion dollars. Could be. Yeah, we'll, we'll retire. Could <laughs> be the last show ever. Yep. I am talking is proudly brought to you by Extreme Endurance. Your active buffer. And our patrons. And it's name a few, Jumbo. Jesper the Catcher von Sealant Hansen. Just his name yeah. is a great name. Just like Rob Dallymore, we've got fancy. Oh, sorry, Fast Fancy Feet or Triple F. And Meredith, Big Bopper Bachman. Big Bopper. <laughs> I'm the Big Bopper, turn it up. In this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a Hot Topic of the Week. We've got a Coach's Corner. It might be a short show. Mm, we, we've got to get over there. We will. Because John came around. He turned up early. You know, you know John's in a hurry when he turns up early. <laughs> Normally, he turns up on the top or late. But then he turns up and he tells me off straight away. We're on a mission. We're on a mission, he goes. Jeepers, he's hard work, I tell you, team. Uh, let's get into the news, guys. So, first of all, no racing is happening for a while. We did have a half in New Zealand. What was that, John? Uh, it was the, the Rotorua half. So, just a fairly small little race in New Zealand. Uh, Jack Moody took out the males race, and Rebecca Clark took out the females. That was about all the racing we've got now until probably early January. It's funny, in, in the next part of the notes, John's kind of, we're going to have a look at the the major race results from this year, from the major races that we kind of identify in the season. And it's got me thinking, you know, like, this year has some of the races that were remembered for a long, long time. Certainly will. You know, when we think about, you know, when you look back in the past, what races do you really remember? And you're going to say, well, you remember Iron War, you remember... Ray Lert. Ray Lert Mecca. Mecca. You probably the first time someone went under eight hours and wrote. Mm-hmm. You know, this is kind of iconic events when really key things happen. And this year we had probably three or four of those results happen this season, didn't we? We did, but at the same time, the reason I want to do this is we've got short memories. So we did have some great racing, but if you said to me on the spot, you know, who was third male and female at Kona, I'd have to go, uh, I just got to think about that for a minute. So I think it's it is really da- good. David McDonough was third men. He was. And then third female. It was the, the ITU girl, wasn't it? Uh, it was. It was. Uh, it was Anne Haug. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. So that's why I like to go over these things again. Is just to refresh our minds to make sure that these athletes do get the credit that it's due. Because as Bevan said, it was a very good season well, of racing. Well, really, and that's the thing. Like Daniela's time, and and again, we'll go deeper. But wow, that seventy point three wheel champs. How cool was? Have you got your phone on? No. Is your computer touching the wire? There's a little bit. There we go. It's not now. Oh, did you watch on? It was my phone. Oh, there we go. Turn your phone off. Throw <laughs> no, it away. It was right next to that. I was telling John off. I was giving John the, the, the bad tone then. Um, but yeah, we're just the results. Langer going under that, that time in Kona. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Okay. So let's look at some of the results. So first of all, look at the Kona top three in both the men 
and the females. So the Ironman World Championships brought to you by Amazon. Oh, of um, it's Patrick Langer. He swam 50.37. Uh, he biked 4.16 and ran at 2.41. So a couple of minutes off his course record for a 7.52.39 course record. But Arnott's, he finished second. He's four minutes down out of the swim on those uh, five minutes down on the leaders, but four minutes down on Patrick Langer, rode a 4.12 and a good old steady eddy, well, no, not better than a steady eddy, a strong 2.45.41 for second. Especially if they ride. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's a pretty impressive run so coming off of 4.12. So he must have ridden up with uh, Matt Russell and Michael Weiss and people yep. like that. Uh, and then David McNamee was in third place courtesy of a 2.46. So it really did come down to you had the fastest run splits you basically and let's be <laughs> honest other than Langer and Arnott and, and McDemney no one else really ran that fast you look down the splits and with the exception of Braden Curry it's basically just goes down in chronological order who had the fastest run split so it went Langer 241 Bart Arnott's 245 Dave McNamee 246 Tim O'Donnell 252 Braden Curry's the one outlier there 253 then Matt Russell 252 Joe Skipper 254 Andy Potts 256 Cam Worth uh, again well once you get down to there he ran 306 and Michael Weiss 3 hours so you run well in Kona Last year, especially, you did well. Well, and like Braden, Braden could quite comfortably do a two forty-five, couldn't he? Yes, on a on a you know on a, on a good. He, he ran what did he run in in Cairns. Cairns. It was two. I think he went two thirty-nine or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So so like if Braden ran, how potentially he could be second place. Exactly. You know, but yeah, it's really interesting. And David McDemey was a great example of this because he actually had a pretty average bike, uh, 421. Mm-hmm. You know, and considering, you know, most of the guys, if you look down this, the column here, it's not until 12th place until you get anyone over 420. Uh, but just a good solid four, uh, 246 run, mm-hmm. getting third place. And then the female side of racing, we all know that Daniela Reef crushed it. Um, but coming back from just a miserable swim after being stung by a jellyfish, and you just got to wonder how quick she would have gone. Uh, it's, it's one of those things, if you get a puncher, you lose five minutes. Do you really lose five minutes? Probably not. You probably lose maybe three, because that two minutes of extra time and extra drive you get from doing that. But she swam 57, so she's losing... Uh, nine minutes to Lucy Charles and continue to lose time early in the bike. And, and how, but how fast would, I don't know how fast a swimmer she is. Daniela oh, no, would she, normally she be... She would have come out with, uh, she would have probably been looking at the results here, probably a 54 or 53, probably okay. 53, 54. Okay. So she lost about four minutes in that there. Yeah, and uh, so she went 57 swim, 426 on the bike and a 257.05 on the run, which I think is the fastest run split of the day as well. Uh, no, second fastest run split for an 826. Lucy Charles was 10 minutes back in second. Anne Haug was another five minutes back in third. Uh, and then went Sarah Truman McCaffrey and Sarah Crowley so yeah just mind-blowing how dominant she's been this season to win by 10 minutes and that was when Lucy Charles had a bloody good race and went for it uh, it was kind of like her 10. Chrissy like performance wasn't it because mm. remember that year Chrissy did a it was an elbow bike, no she had the bike crash a, yeah. a couple of weeks before but was it the elbow she did oh, she was just shut up yeah. everywhere yeah and um you know and there was that was race there and I was going oh well, I wish she can get through it and then just freakish performance and this is because we've got to go back to it was a 20 minute record breaking performance Mm. 20 minutes and it's not a new sport 
No. You know what I mean? It, you know, like sometimes you, you know, it's like when someone first does their first marathon and the second time they go 20 minutes faster. It's like, well, you, you know, you, there's plenty mm. of improvement. This was been around for a long time. And it was a fast day. Langer took, you know, about eight minutes off the men's race. But 20 minutes, that is... When you've got adversity as well. Yeah. But I wonder, but in saying that, how much adversity created it? Mm. You know what I mean? Because sometimes it's like, because I remember when we interviewed a post-race, she was like, getting out of the water, she was like, um, my race is done, but I'm going to just respect the race. I'm just going to do the day. That was kind of where she was mentally in her head at that time. And then even in the bike, in that first half of the bike, Lucy Charge was putting time into her. And I, I think I remember saying at the time, oh, she's out. Mm. And then that second half of the, didn't she have the second fastest bike split coming home? Yes, I think she was, it was either second or third in one section, I think, on the Queen K. Um, but then to get off and run 257, um, when you're not under pressure, uh, and to keep the foot down, again, you wonder how much more was there in the tank because she wasn't Amazing. under any pressure. What so. a, what, that's, to me, that's the performance oh, of the year. Absolutely. Yeah, by country mile. Okay, so so then you've, we've done the second and third? We have, yes. So then we went to 70.3 world champs um, on the female side. Uh, that We had Danielle Reef again, uh, more or less crushing. It was only a, a three to four minute victory over Lucy Charles, who also had a brilliant race. And she did stick with Danielle Reef on the bike, if you guys recall that. Mm. You know, most of us expected her to just ride past and crush her. Um, but Lucy Charles admirably stuck with her and still ran um, well. Um, but Danielle Reef ran around a 116.59 to win by three minutes. Lucy Charles. Oh, so it's the exact same uh, podium as Kona. I hadn't realised that. Oh, um, yeah. uh, one, two, three, to Anne Haug in third place. One thing I think is going to be interesting to watch over the next few years. So currently Daniela Reef is 31. And then Lucy Charles, she's only early 20s, isn't she? Mm-hmm. Lucy, let me have a look, Charles. Um, now this is assuming uh, Charles. Lucy Charles, yeah, and there is the word on the street that she, Lucy Charles, may give it a crack at going to try to make the Olympics, and I think she's got a, you know, she's got a half decent chance if she is able to make that transition. But she's only twenty five. Yeah, um, because she can swim, and her run times are really coming down. It is different. 5k times different to what it's like uh, out on the road, um, but in a triathlon. But yeah, she's got. She's certainly got a got a chance especially when the course is not particularly technical there's not going to be a technical course in tokyo it's going to be flat at least it might be technical um so i'd say she's got a chance so but the thing i'm thinking interesting is just looking for the next few years ahead if lucy evolves well she will evolve she's only 25 um just that moment where daniela's getting a little bit older Mm -hmm. because right now you're still saying daniela's yeah, you pick, you'd you think know. for another two years, she yeah. there's not much competition. Yeah, but that, three years from now, hmm. we're going to see that, you know, because Lucy's still got lots of development in her. She's pretty bloody great already, but she's still just kind of, you know, always getting that second place. Um, it's, I think two or three years from now, we're going to see a really fascinating moment in our sport mm. with the female racing. It's going to be really great to see. It's going to be interesting to see if Daniela does go down as the most prolific winner of... She's going to win nine, doesn't she? Is it? Is it that many? Is it? I didn't, didn't, I'll have a look. So Bad, Badman's got to be right up there, and Paul and Newby Fraser are the two that have probably won the most. Bradman won six. Well, right. let me have a look. I'm in World okay. Champions. I'll go through the men's race at 70.3 World Championships, which was held in South Africa, and we did have a mouth watering men's race when you had. <laughs> mouth watering! <laughs> I love, I you love had it. 
Gomez, Brownlee and Fadino going head to head on the run. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, Ian Fadino. It really was, wasn't it? Because it was like the names of the sport, wasn't it? Mm. And just the dynamic how it went when Brownlee went attacking off the front and they pulled him back and then uh, Gomez is sitting behind Fadino and you're wondering, he's probably, you know, is it a little bit better runner than um, Fadino? Not much, but just a little bit. But he didn't quite have the strength in the legs to do it, and he uh, and he got that stitch as well, if you recall. So uh, good close racing. So Fred Anna was first in 3.36.30, uh, about a minute back to Brownlee, and then another minute back to Gomez. So very good racing there on uh, at the 70.3 Worlds. Credit to Ironman. Do feel that the 70.3 Worlds is just gaining momentum year on year, getting good strong fields. Uh, I think the prestige for the age groupers is improving. And what's really important for me as well is they're choosing really cool courses um, and good locations and not pancake flat races. So good stuff. Well, and that men's race was amazing. It was. It really was just awesome. 106.33 on the run. And he was digging too. It was pretty he? close to being accurate from what I could see. Yeah. So Paul Lewis has won it eight times. Really? Yeah. Jeepers creepers. Yeah. And everyone else, the, then Natasha had six. I think we had a couple of sixes. Mm. Mark got six. Yeah. You know, so Paul is definitely. And so we have, what's Daniel racing? Daniel has won four, is it? Four, is it? One, two, three, four. Yep. She's won the last four. Okay. So. Another four. That's, that's a big ask. Paul did get beaten a couple of times, but, mm. you know, like Daniel has been beaten the first year. Has she been beat? Is that the only time she hasn't won, won an iron distance race? I'm going to say potentially yes. Other than injury or haven't... Oh, no, I don't think she's been beaten elsewhere. Uh, you you, uh, you maybe go on to the ITU. I'm, I just want to look something up. Uh, you, okay, you start talking about ITU because you love your ITU. Well, I'm just looking at... They don't have very good Wikipedia on her, to be honest. Considering she's a world champion... They don't really have a very good Wikipedia on it. Oh, you're going to the results side, are you? Yeah. Okay, I will, oh, you know me, guys. I love ITU. And I actually, every day, I just watch another ITU race. So I really know what's happening in ITU in this year. And the big race in the ITU calendar was the rankings. <laughs> I was just looking at your links. <laughs> uh, John, have you, have you found what you're looking for? Right, yeah. There's a song that he still hasn't found what he's looking for. Okay. Uh, so I'm looking down here. She, she get to, has been beaten at 70.3. She got third at the... Bahrain um, when she missed out on the, the triple crown um, everything else I'm seeing ones this is on she got second at the world champs in 2014 everything else is one so so th this basically lists so this is the, uh, the obsessed triathlete and it lists all the Ironman and 70.3 results that um, she's done have so she finished sixth in 2013 Every other result since then, sixth. And what do you mean? At the seventy point three World Champs okay. in twenty thirteen, every other race since then, with the exception of one seventy point three in Cozumel, where she finished third, and a couple of podiums on the seventy point three Worlds, everything else is a one. So I was right. She fin uh, and she's got a fourth there in twenty sixteen seventy point three. So her only Ironman loss it is was to Miranda Carfrey. The first year in first year she did it. That's impressive. That is blood. Well, she's a freak, but isn't she? She is indeed. She is, man. And it was, I'll tell you what, one of my highlights of uh, what we do was getting that first interview across the line this year. She was so pumped. Mm. You know, and she's she's a lovely, she's lovely, Daniela. She's quite a, you know, I've often talked about this, but she's quite a, a stale face. You know, she's not kind of like, her face doesn't light up the room kind of like an Yvonne would. Mm -hmm. But when you get to talk to her, she's really engaging. She's so lovely. Mm. But it was so awesome to see her in that moment where she was just, 
there was just an energy that came from it. It was so cool. So, yeah. so the, yeah, the ITU rankings, as Bevan was just describing so well before, <laughs> uh, we had a fifth place with Christian Blumenfeld on the male side. Richard Murray was fourth. Jake Burkwistle was third. Vincent Louis was second. Mario Mola was fairly dominant in first. He was over 1,000 points. He had 6,081 points versus Vincent Louis's 5,060. Uh, on the female side, however, it was a hell of a lot closer. Jess Learmoth, uh, it's just uh, the UK and Americans are just crushing it. Without Ashley Gentle, uh, they take up the first eight spots. So Jess Learmoth um, had a fantastic year, pretty new to the sport. What, she was why, does that happen, why does that happen in the females but not in the men's? I don't have a good answer for that. They've got really good development programs um, and mm. maybe, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they've got the same development programs on the male and female mm. side. So Jess Learmonth was fifth. Kirsten Casper was fourth. Georgia Taylor-Brown, I think I think it was her debut year, was uh, in third. Katie Zaveris and Vicky Holland. So this is where it was really close. 5,540 points for Vicky Holland and Katie Zaveris was 5,488. So it did come down to that final race where Vicky Holland didn't actually win. Um, it was uh, Ashley Gentle who took the race out. Uh, Vicky Holland was second and Katie Zaveris was third. But again, much like some of the long course racing it was an epic battle with lots of lead changes brilliant brilliant racing uh, but again at the finale we did our two race winners Ashley Gentle on the female side and then uh, on the male side Vincent Louis were not the overall champions which just doesn't sit that well for me so for the elite men at the grand finale in Gold Coast it was Vincent Louis first Mario Mola second Richard Murray third so okay, in so, my so eyes they should be the champs so, what looking back on the year, what were the two the two for performance, male and females, the best performances of the year um, for you? I think the grand grand final. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, the grand final. So that's the one day where you've got to perform. Take my hat off to the people that can perform most consistently. So Mario Mola, I think, would probably potentially win the world champs if he peaked one hundred percent for that and, and didn't race as much during the season. But um, yeah, so I'd say that the two grand finale performances. And story-wise, what have been the two biggest stories of ITU this year? Well, probably not so much ITU, but the emergence of Super League and where that's going to go long-term, um, I, I don't know. But it's been good to watch, good for spectators, just gets you involved in the sport on another level. Mm. And for me, and for a lot of people, you start to know the athletes a little bit better, um, not just the winners all the time. You know, for the ITU circuit, you know, you got, you know Louis, you know Mario Mola, you know Richard Murray, and one or two others. Um, and then the rest of them, you kind of don't really know what's going on. But Super League, you kind of felt like you knew a lot more athletes. So I think from the short course side of things, um, the emergence of Super League has been pretty cool. Okay, there you go. Uh, so then outside of the kind of world championships and, and all of those events, uh, we also had Rote and we had Frankfurt. And Rote this year, good old Sebi took it out pretty comfortably. He did indeed. So he came home in 7.46, um, about seven minutes in front of Andreas Dreitz. It was his, I'm pretty sure it was his debut iron distance race. And then Jesse Thomas had a fantastic race for third, Joe Skipper fourth and Cam Worth in fifth on the male side. And then the girls race, was, which everyone's picking Lucy Charles by Country Mile. And out of nowhere, yeah, she didn't. And, and Lucy Charles had some challenges out there for sure. And had she been at her best, you would expect her to beat all these other females on uh, on their given day. But Daniela Seemler um, brought it home by nine seconds over Lucy Charles with a titanic battle in the last few k's. Titanic. And Kaiser Sali was in third place, and Laura Sedell is was in fourth. 
So that was road. And then we also had Frankfurt. And one of the big stories of this year has been the, the absence of Frodo at the Ironman World Championships because his form going into it, uh, you know, imagine how he would have gone on that course. He crushed it. Yeah. Uh, but in Frankfurt, this is the, it was a master class because really you're basically, was, you're marking your competitors and then you just drop the hammer on them and crush them. So he came off the bike with uh, Patrick Nielsen or Patrick Langer. I can't remember if they exactly came off the bike together, but it was there or thereabouts. They were riding together. Uh, and then he opened up a 2.39 to win by eight minutes over Nielsen and Langer nodded his best around a 2.47 for an 8.09. But I think he'll take that any day of the week to take Kona and finish third there. I think he'd be much happier uh, his position as opposed to Jan Fredino's and again on the female side we just saw a beyond dojo domination uh, Sarah Crowley was third Sarah True was second and Daniela Reef won by 27 minutes over Sarah True who was on debut admirable performance when you run a 254 on debut it's yeah. awesome and still get beaten by 20 minutes yes 20, 20 what nearly 30 minutes yeah so she rode a 440 the next fastest time was 505 and when we say 440 and the guys were riding 428 12 minutes slower John hmm. who's going to win Cone next year Daniela Reef. means no, that's overall. <laughs> <laughs> I love your work. You're quick, Newsom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Daniela, that's a no-brainer. Um, I'll put my I'll put my money on Frodo any day of the week if he's um, fit and healthy. Oh, you reckon? See, so? he might be getting too old now. Well, it's only a year on from this year, and he's in the most crushing form of his life this year. Yeah, but you know. And I did read somewhere that apparently this year was potentially going to be his last year, and so I think he was going to want to go out oh, on really? a high. You know, seventy point three world champ, thirty seven. Kona champ and then uh, was Crowey 38 when he won in the last one uh, there or thereabouts yeah no I definitely think Frodo if he's fit and healthy anything like this year he is in to, prime to, position two of the biggest stories for me this year yes how much nobody ranked Langer going into the into world championships well nobody 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 any of the top three on the male side you go Langer Bart Arnott's and David McNamee nobody's yeah, thinking hard yeah anyway. but okay Bart Arnott's he had, had a good he had a good road yeah you know, before, but yeah. in, in, in Kona, he hadn't done anything. Nick mm-hmm. McNamee had, had a top five. No, he was third the year before as okay, well. Okay, yeah, so that's a bit fair. Mm-hmm. But Langer had won it the year yeah, before. Yeah. True. You know, and the year before they got second with a mind-blowing run. Run split, yeah. Nobody picked him. Mm. That was shocking from everyone involved. Are they going to pick him this year, though? Well, yeah, yeah, well, I don't reckon they will. Yeah. <laughs> and why? Because he's he proven done, himself. He hasn't done anything else anywhere else. Yeah, but he does it where it matters. I know. People are slow learners, and and the thing is, he's done it three times now. Because mm-hmm. the first year he got second, he you know that was a great performance, mm-hmm. broke the run course record. Second year won it, mm-hmm. and comes back and defends his title. Mm-hmm. Are you going to pick him next he's year? My, he's my pick. Who's your pick? <laughs> Three Pete. I'm not going to pick him. I, I will will we see Brownlee there? I just don't. I don't know. Have, have we seen the end of Brownlee? Uh, you tend to think you've seen the you've definitely seen the work, the the best of him. Yeah, we've seen peak Brownlee, haven't we? Yeah. But we I certainly hope he does does one. Yeah, I can't see him getting to Tokyo, but um, oh, you don't even think he's going to get to Tokyo? Uh, I don't. I don't know the Great Britain stocks very well, so he might have a reasonable chance if they haven't got any any other strong. What about athletes. Jonathan Brownlee? Uh, he, he's going to be there or thereabouts. He's a top but, fiver now, but he's no longer the presence he was, is he? Not not based off this year's performance. He's not. No. So it's a, it's, so it's a real transition time for ITU, isn't it? 
It is, and, and, and we may see some of these young guns coming through um, from Super League. So, yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see if Super League athletes that perform there are going to transfer it across to, uh, to ITU distance. Different story, racing for 15 minutes as opposed to racing to two hours, and we have seen that time and time again. One of the other biggest stories of this year is Gomez's transition to Ironman wasn't as successful as maybe we all thought it would be. Yeah, it was, it was solid. It was fine, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it's Gomez. Yeah. It wasn't on par with his 70.3 performances. If we look at his 70.3 from the previous year when he won in Chattanooga, yep. you know, he's had some amazing 70.3s. So, yeah, it certainly wasn't on par with the 70.3s. But I wouldn't be writing him quite off yet. No, uh, no, but he, so far he hasn't proven himself yet. He's just got to go away and ride well, that bike a shitload and then I think he'll be he'll be in the mix. Well, well the question is, and this is one of the, you know, you He's will, my pick for next year. There you go. Oh, okay. Well, Early pick. Hey, over for Adino. Yep. Oh, <laughs> Now you got me thinking. And Langer's going to get last, is he? Yeah. <laughs> but well, the thing about from the thing about the ITU guys is, do they have the want? Mm-hmm. You know, like it's. I remember. What, I remember. Um, who was the who was the German guy who won it one at once? Um, uh, was Speedo? Ferris Elsold. Yeah, Elsold. And and in some ways, it, it, he didn't fluke it. He won it fair and square. But in some ways, it gave his career the nice thing because he won it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he, you always. Felt that with him, although he did still have some great performances yeah. after he won it, but it was always this kind of thing of I don't need to prove myself, I've got it, mm-hmm. you know. And there was always the carrot that he had over everyone else because there were so many guys chasing, and he's like, "Well, I've already done it." And when you get to like a Brownlee and a Gomez, and that if they don't, and Brevin Dockett is a good example. They said the mm-hmm. one good New Zealand, they don't get success pretty early. It's pretty easy to kind of give up. Well, I think yeah, you either give up or you go bugger this. It's a bit harder than I thought it was going to be, and it gives you the drive. So I think. But how many of those have we ways. seen? I reckon from guys, ITU, how many of those have, have, have come in, not been that successful, stuck at it and been successful? No, you're right, not many. I kind of have the feeling that Gomez might be one, but I think with Brownlee, he has, like Gomez has said, yeah, I really want to do well over there. Brownlee's like, I think he's doing it because it's there and he kind of needs to, yeah. but you don't see him with that driving passion to do it. And he's always talked about he loves the fast stuff more, mm-hmm. doesn't he? Yeah. Interesting stuff. Okay, so then if we look at my little show notes here, next up we're just going to talk about, oh, so the other piece of news this week is we're going to see a repeat of Fredino and Langer yeah. happening at Frankfurt. Fredino called him out by the, by the sounds of it and uh, Langer sounds like he's accepted. So that will be, it'll be interesting, but again, Will we read too much into it for Kona? I don't know, but it is always interesting to and see the, the top Did you read the article? Yes. Because Fredino was saying he's going to try race more next year. Yeah, he did. But if you did read the last line, I think of it was that 2018, he thought was going to be maybe his last year racing. So he's going to come back and he's going to want to try to finish on a high. To me, for Dan, if he doesn't win next year, although, God, the guy's has an amazing career, but there's a, there's a big what if on his career. You know, there's a big what if he doesn't win next year, because he'll win two Konas if he doesn't win next year. Mm. What if he could have won four or five? Yeah, and he just had a bit of bad luck. Last yeah, year he totally. was injured, yep. and... The year before that, what did he blew finish? Up. No, he, he finished third or something? No, no, he blew up big time. He ended up walking on the run. No, that was because of back injury. Yeah, well, last year he didn't compete. The year before he oh, blew true. up. Yeah. 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 So there's just a few what-ifs, and, you know, like, in all careers there's that, but, you know, like, Fredino could have been a Mark Allen. Mm-hmm. He could have got four or five, you know, maybe six of them. Okay, uh, some other news. Challenge Family World Bonus. So what they do is they get all their races throughout the season and they have a kind of a points accumulation system. And it's a good bonus. Um, 
both Keenlay and Van Vlerken take out the, the main prize. Well, it was shared on the male side. You had Keenlay and uh, Pablo de Pina Gonzalez. So they shared it. They both took home uh, $25,000. $25, so they must have combined first and second and then split it down the middle. Whereas Van Vlerken took home the females, uh, taking home $30,000. So $165,000 end of season bonus pay across male and females. Uh, so first was 30, second was 25, third, fourth and fifth were 15, 12 and 5. So good on Challenge Family for, yeah. for doing something like that and it does motivate a few athletes to go and do a few more of their races. It's actually, going back on, now this wouldn't work because we've just changed the ranking system, why didn't Ironman do that? I don't think they want to spend money unnecessarily where they're not going to... would have been nice if they had, but hey, top 20, mm. get a bonus at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, our last piece of news is that the BMC VFIT uh, pro triathlon team has a clear ambition to continue the leading team in long-distance triathlon. Are they the only team? Uh, no, there's a couple of other teams. There's the PWAG team. Uh, I think they're still around. Uh, there's a few other small ones, but I'd say that they're possibly Definitely the most the successful one. Yep, and they just basically got their team roster of announced their team roster for 2019. It includes Will Clark. Yep, uh, Pablo Dupana Gonzalez, who was the 2018 ITU long distance uh, winner. Uh, Manuel Kung, um, and then they've also got uh, Chris Leiferman, who from the USA we interviewed a while oh, ago. Yeah, nice guy. Jeez, he's got a good record. He won Boulder, he won Louisville, uh, and then he'd won Montremblant. So I think he's three and zero for Iron Distance uh, outside of Kona winners. So he hasn't done. He's qualified for Kona, so he hasn't done it yet. So oh, okay. Interesting to see how it goes. Sarah Lewis from Great Britain slash Australia. She won Challenge Rome this year, uh, and Patrick Nielsen, who's been on the team for a couple of years now. Uh, he was second in Frankfurt. Emma Pallant, who we interviewed over in Kona, uh, she's a fantastic former runner and done some good things in triathlon as well. And Chelsea Sidaro, who we mentioned on the show uh, last week, she won the 70.3 in Indian Wells. A very good runner, uh, tried to hand at short course racing, um, but now is going long course. Nice. And then the, the guys that are leaving the team, um, Bart Arnotts, um, obviously with his... Wrote win and Kona. Maybe he's trying to make money. Maximal money potentially. Um, Liz Blatchford. Well, George, I wonder if they're a bit annoyed with. Well, no, I think they've always seen themselves a bit as, as a, a development. development team. Okay. Uh, and so, no, I think he leaves on. Oh, I would imagine he leaves on pretty good terms. And you, yeah, you, know, you just got to be rational about it. You go, fair enough. Good luck to you. You know, you probably you can yeah, go. Yeah, but out or you money. could go. Mate, I've spent thousands on you in the last few years to get you to this point. Now you say sayonara. Yeah. Uh, Liz Blatchford, she's retired. Uh, Maurice Clavel, uh, he was, I think he got third and, and wrote that year. We were there. He was yeah. second or third. And Ronnie Shilnick, who's also been on the team for a long time. So he must be coming towards the end of his career. You got, you got here Zwift Global Cycle Challenge. Oh, this is just something I added in this morning. So for all you Zwift riders, oh, if, here we go. Have, if you haven't been following you use Zwift? Um, very infrequently. You're not a big fan of it, are you? I, I, I get it, but... I prefer just to get on there and do the work and I prefer to have be watching something else okay. rather than where I'm riding. They had a Zwift Global Challenge and so they had 5,000 females apply to, to, to basically try to get one slot on a team. So it's uh, a pro, pro team. team. Yeah, so it's the Canyon... Uh, have they done this before? Yes, they have. And a Kiwi guy, I think, won it last time. And, but, but is it applicable to the real world? Well... We'll find out. So they, what they did, they had 5,000 females apply. 
<laughs> and they narrowed that down to three, and three of them then went over to somewhere in Europe. I'm not quite sure where it was. I haven't really watched the coverage. Uh, but they went head-to-head, and they did various challenges. They had like an uphill race. They did a couple of races on Zwift. Um, they did this, that, and the other thing. It's great PR. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And the winner was Ella Harris. from Well, she used to be from Christchurch. She used to be in our junior tri program. Oh, really? And I think you probably, Rachel Harris used to listen to the show. I Wait think. see. Ella Harris. Um, so I'll, I'll look up Ella Harris, surely he'll be. So I, I don't oh, think. Oh, oh, your phone's ringing. It's your, oh, I've got your Skype. Uh, <laughs> panic, panic! Someone rang you. I'm, I'm sorry. Delete. Yeah. Um, and anyhow, I think this was three females going head to head. And I don't. The, the one little stage that I watched, Ella didn't actually win it. It was an uphill. She finished second. Um, but I think what plays in her favour, she's very young. I think she's just finished school, uh, or she might even be last year's school. Um, she's got some great talent. She's small, very driven, very good, uh, very good character, a lot of energy, and uh, and so she got chosen to basically get a contract on a team. So good on her. Yeah, that's really cool. Is the girl? Has she got dark hair? Is it that one there? It's no, great podcasting. One middle, one. Middle, one in the middle. I don't know if I do know Ella, but good on you, Ella. How cool is that? Very so cool. what, what does it give her? Basically a contract on a, a female's pro team. Wow. So how big that contract is, I don't know, but it means you get to go, especially when you're that age, when you're, again, I think she's probably about 18, 19. Yeah. Um, she gets a chance to go travel the world and hopefully she makes it, but, you know, regardless. It is a great PR thing. Like, mm. how cool is that? Mm. You know, because it's that kind of, it's the golden, it's, it's Willy Wonka, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's the golden ticket of cycling. Mm. You know, every pleb who got, you know, well, it's, like, home. it's like uh, a talent show. Like, yeah, um, yeah, it really is. The Voice or whatever yeah. those bloody well, shows. American Idol or something like that. American Idol. Yeah, there you go. You, nice. Yeah, well, if you had to go on a talent show, what would be your talent? Uh, what would be my talent? <clears throat> I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> I would not have a clue. <laughs> getting getting waxed and trying not to <laughs> to cringe. I don't know. <laughs> Just bring a tribo out to a few camera pieces yeah. on you. Yeah. <laughs> what would yours be? Playing well, piano. No, but I'm not that good on the piano. I'd be yeah. an embarrassment. So yeah. I don't know what my talent would be. Um, the aerobics. Okay. <laughs> um, hot topic of the week. Okay, so last week we asked what what should be the nicknames for the pros. I haven't looked at this one, John. Did we get many responses? We did not. I was a bit disappointed. Oh, a bit team. disappointed team in terms of the number of responses. So keep keep going on there because I would like to have a bit of a list here that we can refer to. Um, so a bit of a disappointing result. Ned Phillips said Lionel, the treadmill, Mona Sanders. So we're looking for nicknames for pro athletes that we can use in, in passing conversation. Nice. Have you got them written down here, have you? Uh, no, I've got them on the Facebook page. Okay, you do the next one because I'm not uh, really Joanne Baxis said Andrew Starkowitz, the straight talker. Straight talker. Uh, Mick Simpson said Joe the Rock Skipper. Nice. And nice. And then Jim Shorts, Terenzo the Boss Bozzoni. That's actually a good one. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I'm, I'm here now. I'm going to say uh, Volker Volt has got Cameron Worth, the commentator. Yes, because when Cameron Worth does get interviewed, he, he's great. He's, he talks a lot, but he, you know, you ask him a question and, you know, Five to ten minutes later, you get your next question, yeah. which is great. Um, Better than someone who says yes. <laughs> I know. No. Um, Joanne Baxter said Mike Phillips, Magic Mike, and Dylan McNeese, the Dynamo. Lurcher Ted, he's, he's been listening to the show before we even put it out. Patrick, still underrated Langer. <laughs> <laughs> or Silent Assassin, yeah. Lionel. So there you go. I, I like that. Uh, oh, here's a good one. Lionel, please call me Jan Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> That's he, a good He's yeah. a lurcher. You win big time. Daniel, freak of nature. Re, 
And Matthew Binns, a certain riding group in Melbourne, Australia, called Luke Bell Tampax. In for one race, out for the next three. <laughs> Pick it up. <laughs> Poor old Luke Bell. Yeah. He, 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 he had a good career. Joe Baxis is on a roll here. She's got Cameron L'Oreal Worth. He's worth it. Oh, very good. Because it's your worth it, isn't it? Yeah. Gloria. Melissa Uri, you can't use Scott Molina's name here. She's got Lionel the Terminator Sanders. It's There's only one Terminator. That's right. And he, he owns it. I like, don't call me Yan. Please call me Yan. Yeah. <laughs> right well, I'll, I'll start compiling lists. So if you're listening, please go onto our Facebook page or email in some more suggestions. So these pros. ones you've come up with, are they? Uh, they and then I've, I sort of started a little list when I was sitting there because the, the, the audience has not uh, contributed. I thought, right, here we go. I haven't got one for Patrick Lange. Well, I think we should have to go the underrated. The underrated. Yeah. Yep. Under- We're using Google. I can see John typing. Okay. Um, Bart Arnott's. Why Co- Cookie Monster? Because he's always from coming from behind. He's still sort of just chewing up all the cookies oh, when the others okay, nice. crumble. Nice, all the crumbs. Okay, so good. Are you okay with Cookie Monster? Maybe, but then the problem with Cookie Monster is he, he never really... He, I, uh, one of the, my greatest joys in life is watching Cookie Monster eat a, a biscuit mm-hmm. because basically... It just all crumbs down his face. Right. <laughs> you know, like, Doesn't actually get to eat it. They, and they make it genius because oh, it just all falls down his top. Yeah. So I'll give it to you. I will give it to you. David McDonough, Conan. Conan. Um, just, he just sort of kicked his stature. He's, he's a reasonably tall guy. He he's got cool. big, broad shoulders. And, and he's he, so still, isn't and he? And when he runs, he's got these big, broad shoulders and uh, very upright. And um, I just thought Conan like a barbarian sort of thing. Okay, good. I like Tim O'Donnell's one. To my Donald, to, to, to I see. To I see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he loves that one. Well, he's he's a military man as well. <laughs> you think he's under the thumb, do you? Well, not under the thumb, but he, he's not as successful as wife. He's had some great successes. Oh, his Kona this year was an amazing race. Uh, and, man, he showed grit. Yeah. That, like, that was one of the performances. When, when it came to that race, and it was, who was he racing with? Braden Curry. Yeah. I was like, well, Braden's got this. It's a no-brainer. And he just fought me. And... One of the things you're always going to say about Braden Carter is the guy is tough. Yeah. So when when it was him and Braden, you think a Braden's younger, he's more in his peak of his career. <laughs> I, I, I like my Braden Curry one. I'm quite happy with this. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, so Tim McDonald, you rock too. I see. I, I wouldn't say that. that's what John says. Um, Braden Curry, Rogan Josh. I don't know what Rogan Josh is. Oh, it's like a curry. Oh, okay. It's like a, okay. I wasn't nice. calling a call him chicken tikka masala or something. <laughs> okay. But Rogan Josh. Okay. I like that one. Okay. Daniela Reef. I was thinking like Swiss Army knife. And when I put that into Google, because I thought, I wonder if there's a brand of, not a brand, a model of Swiss Army knife that might, yep. might be quite apt. Zippo came up. It was just something. Why don't we just call it Swiss Army knife? Because she does it all. Okay. Yeah. Swiss Army knife. And it, that's appropriate because it works for the country. knife. Or knife. No, Swiss Army knife works. Swiss. She's um, a bit like MacGyver. In any situation, she can get out of it. <laughs> nice. You know? And that's a MacGyver reference because the next week's show, we've got Don, John Hancock on. We've already done the interview. And he actually emailed us through the MacGyver reference. And if you don't know who MacGyver is, I mean, get Come on, on team. Get with the times. You can't find the old MacGyver online. But the new MacGyver is out. It's not as good. Have you watched it? As, yeah, the kids will quite enjoy it. Um, it's nowhere near as good, though. Yeah, but is that nostalgia looking? At, I'm sure it if we is, watched it. But yeah. yeah, nothing's as good as when we were young. Lucy Charles, Kamikaze. Kamikaze Charles. Quite like that. She often just goes out there and attacks it and just yep. throws caution into the wind. And then I had um, Miranda Carfrey, Shaq. As in, Shaq. As in Shaquille O'Neal. Why Shaquille O'Neal? I don't see any similarities. Well, it's quite, kind of almost opposite because she's tiny and Shaquille O'Neal was massive. Oh, so it's a... But okay. Miranda Carfrey, her first career was a basketball player. Really? Yeah. Apparently she was quite good. 
and then she got in triathlon and she was a good triathlete she's, she's as a junior right as well yeah, so right. Shaq haven't got anything for Anne Haug or Sarah True yet I am interviewing Sarah True later on today what about, what about um, I know Frodo is for Fredino but oh Fredino okay what do you want for him oh, I don't even know Mr. Nice Guy he is a nice guy okay that's probably not a very I think good we can name. do better than that yeah okay we'll the audience you guys, you guys. okay this week's this week and this one this, it's actually gonna be a while before John and I are back in the studios this one's gonna go for a while and it's it's purely for John's needs um oh, no it's sharing the love sharing the love what now I actually put in the show notes slightly differently but basically things to watch content to watch on the trainer when you're training and and obviously you want sports focused stuff no any, uh, anything really oh, just, okay. just things to things that you enjoy watching Bruce Springsteen's released his concert okay on yeah. Netflix yeah no just something so people can, people can go on there over the holiday break especially you guys in the Northern Hemisphere and go what the hell should I watch today go to that post and you might be able to find something you like I'm, I'm trying not to be on the trainer at the moment although the next week it's going to be sunny today and then we've got rain for a bloody week for a week yeah it's going to be sunny on Christmas day but the next seven days crap um, and I will, I will post up there um, Tim Hemming sent through one called Hub What bike.com slash film. I haven't watched it yet, but it's apparently about some track cyclists trying to make it. Okay, so the track cycling, did you watch the news last night? This is a totally New Zealand-centric topic. No, no, but this will come up on another one of our Christmas shows because... Oh, he's interviewing Dan Plews, who knows those guys inside out. So we've got a a former rower. Who was like one of the greatest rowers of all time. Yes, and he became a... now Tried his hand at cycling, done very, very well. Did TT, did um, road cycling TT, got a bronze got at the Commonwealth, Commonwealth Games. Games. But not that great in the and, world, and, maybe and top 30. Yeah, the world champs, he got his ass kicked, and now he's trying to try track cycling. But on the news last night, they're saying he, he got a, a New Zealand record. He did, yes. Mm. Apparently, he's, I really talked to him about him, because it'd be mm-hmm. fascinating to see. Um, okay, what's, what's his name? Hamish Bond. Hamish Bond, yep. Okay, this us do a sponsor, John. Extreme Endurance. Oh, Active Buffer. Extreme Endurance has been a long-time sponsor of the show. Oh, God. Probably 10 years. Quite possibly. Not, maybe not quite that long. How long have we been going for? We started in 2016. We started in 2006. So we were 2016. We were struggling. Oh, yeah, no, we used to. Yeah, so maybe 12. So I, I, 12 I'd, I'd say about eight seven, years. seven, eight years. Okay. Um, and you wonder, why the hell do they keep sponsoring the show? And the reason is because... <laughs> don't wonder, keep, don't, don't don't wonder that. But people keep buying the bloody product. <laughs> keep buying it, And the people don't keep buying it if it doesn't work. So That's have right. a bit of faith in our I Am Talk audience. Have because a little faith in They wouldn't keep sponsoring the show if people weren't buying it. So people are buying it. They know it works. Get on the program. Use your promo code IAMTALK20. If you haven't tried it out before, it's only 39 bucks before your discount uh, to actually test it out. It's 39 US. Uh, and see what it's all about. And especially if you're going into you know, some... A lot of you guys will be doing some running over winter where you might be doing a really high-intensity bike phase and uh, just give it a go and you'll notice the difference within 72 hours uh, for a lot of people. Don't get that same level of muscular soreness. You can often take your level to the, you know, one step up um, but for me, big thing is you know, reduction of muscular soreness so you can get that training continuity that you want and uh, and really push through. So check it out, xendurance.com. Remember the promo code IMTALK20. And remember, it's probably a little bit late for Christmas now, but it's often the thought that counts. So if there's somebody... Just give me the voucher on the day. There you go. It's coming in the post. Yeah. Do you know that? Do you know they had a strike in Canada with the postal service over there? I was posting something the other day and, and somebody was... For in, a present. Uh, somebody was trying to post to, to Canada and they said, yeah, something's taking about four months to get to people really? in Canada because of the postal strikes over there. Oh, dear. 
Jeepers. Anyway, Check, check, check it out. Okay, three, two, one. Oh, no, I want some music. Oh, Hit me with editing. some music. I've got lots of shows to edit. Here we go. <laughs> Coach's Corner. James Anderson sent through an email. I did say to him, mate, you need to get a coach <laughs> because he basically sent an email saying, give me the answers to everything. But James Anderson was to say, um, I love the show and I really appreciate your help and guidance. Diehard triathletes, like all age groupers, who have been taking part in triathlon for around five years. I think he's a diehard triathlete. Mm. Um, to improve my training, I, regularly, I recently signed up for Training Peaks. However, I haven't got a clue about the numbers. Is 100 plus fatigue too high? Is fitness being built too aggressively? Would love some advice. So you can geek out and you can. you can get lost. You can get very, very lost. So here's my advice around um, training peaks. If you're someone who might be in similar situation to James in, and you're looking at all these numbers and the metrics I've got on there, CSS, TSS, TSB, all these different things, and you're going, what the hell is all that about? My advice would be kick it all into touch and don't look at those uh, those metrics. Why? Well, the, focus on the things that you can get right first. Get everything set before, and, and just slowly start to build up your knowledge in that area because the most the, all those numbers are complete waste of time unless you've got your zones and everything set up correctly. So, James, my advice to you would be: firstly, you need to. Uh, Get your zone set up correctly first. So if you're if you're doing swim, bike, and run, then you'll have to get all of them done um, set up. But firstly, you know, go do some time trials on the bike so you know what your FTP is. That's the the first and easiest one to do. Then you need to set up your zones for for your running. And there's, I've been over how you do that in in the past. Uh, and then you need to sort of compare your Ironman zones, etc. So that's the biggest thing I could say when you start in training peaks. If you do want to go down the path of looking at all the the, the different metrics I've got. You've got to have your zone set up correctly. Um, one of the other thing I'd say, a lot of people go for the, the free uh, option on training peaks, which is great if you're not going to be geeking out too much. But if you are wanting to geek out a bit like James, the, the big advantage I think before you start looking at all those metrics is to start to look for trends in your training sessions and you can't really do that so much with the free all your sessions can be uploaded and if you just if you've got a coach then you can download that and it's all straightforward but if you want to go in and inspect your workouts um, then you need the the premium and that's what you pay for and this is probably you know this is again when I'm working with athletes this is what I'll suggest they go and do is then you instead of looking at all your metrics the training peaks metrics go into your key workout and look at what's actually happening as you're going through that workout. So for example, say your coach or you go out there and you go and do say a two hour, two hour straight session and you're going at Ironman effort all the way through. What you can do when you're on premium is you can go through and create laps so you highlight a section of the workout and then you can create a lap and then you can have a look at what's happening to your heart rate, what's happening to your cadence, what's happening to your power and how those are working together. Then when you say say maybe you break that two hour ride into four 30 minute blocks, have a look at how that fourth block compares to the first block. Is your heart rate the same for the same given power output? Has your cadence dropped away? So that would be my main suggestion if you're new to training peaks. Rather than the metrics, get your zone set up correctly and then 
perhaps have a period where you're going on the premium and actually start looking at your workouts and start looking at trends. And when you're going through that period, then you might want to start doing some reading on all the other training peak stuff. If you just start plugging in, they've got lots of articles on their site where you can go and find out what all the terms are. And YouTube's a great mean. resource. Mm. You go on YouTube and you just kind of, if you want to look at one segment, you know, if you want to look at, I don't know, normalized power or something like that, you, there'll be mm. someone who's done a segment on, you know, how to learn about that. Exactly. So, and it's part, also good because it's more visual. Mm. So you can part two, this is a continuation from last week. If you recall, I was going out to do a um, Oh, that's right. Yeah, a, yeah, a yeah. TT. Oh, back it up. You did, you did your RPT. I did my T, one. Not one, TT, sorry. <laughs> I did my one-hour TT. And, the, and, and often when I go out there, I, I think of things for, for, for the show. And one area that um, is often really difficult is to get that sort of sweet spot gear that you want when you're riding along now for me my optimal cadence is sort of low 90s around about 92 93 sort of in that range is my optimal cadence when you're out there doing say an FTP workout often you find you can't get that exact right gear um, when you've got say uh, your, your cassette on your wheels not quite set up right so if you're jumping two teeth you know I might go from riding at 85 rpm to you know 98 rpm which is a little bit too high because there's a two teeth jump so i guess my second part of today's coach's corner is to have a think about how your cassette is set up especially when it comes to racing because in, in a race you really want to have the the right gears for the right course so i've got a couple of cassettes at home and and, and i change them depending on which race i'm doing so in rote my, I make sh- I made sure that my smallest cassette, my, my smallest gear on the back of my cassette, was just enough for me to get over those hills, and then I had the rest of the cassette as close as I could for all the flat periods, so I could be in the the right gear and be at the right cadence. Yep. If I was going to do a, um, and I think I had a twenty one on there, so that was my smallest gear. If I'm doing say um, a challenge Wanaka, I'll have a different cassette, and I might have a twenty five on the back because I know I've got to get over those hills. So I compromise some of those lower gears where I where there's not as much flat. Again, if I was going to go do a pancake flat course like Western Australia, I'd have a straight block. I'd probably go. Uh, and 11 to whatever 19 so have a think about what your cassette is going to be for race day based on your conditions or based on the course profile especially if you're a weaker cyclist and it's a really hilly course you got to think I've got to have enough gears to be able to get up those hills if it's a pancake flat course you want to have a straight block as possible so then you can really find that optimal gear so that's something that I thought about just before I went out riding because I put my race wheels on because I had my race cassette on there and I knew if I went out on my training wheels um, I'd be chopping and changing gears a lot more and it was so good to be out there it was just one gear shift it would just have the small change in my cadence and I was able to get into a good groove how'd you go pretty reasonable I think I did three 307 watts which was about what I wanted to do um how'd you go mentally pretty good um I cocked it up a bit because there was a little bit of a headwind going out and so on the way out I went out and I turned at 31 minutes thinking um. I mean, oh, thinking um I won't get I'm going to be quicker on the way back, but I'm not going to be two minutes quicker. Got about halfway back going, oh crap, I'm going to run out of road here. And so I had to do another U-turn. And U-turns cost you hugely when you're out there. So I got 307 watts, I think it was. Uh, but I had two U-turns and uh, three turns. And so cumulatively, that probably cost four, maybe five watts. Oh, probably 25, 25 watts. 25, yeah. At yeah. Least. yeah. Um, so it was good, but it wasn't great. So I gave myself uh, A- minus for performance, um, but a 
B plus for effort because my heart rate was four beats below what I'd done previously. So I'd done two previous one-hour TTs, and both times was 159 heart rate. And when I finished the one on Saturday, yeah, it was bloody hard, and I was rooted, but I didn't have to pull over and, and stop for five, ten minutes like yep. I've done in the past. I thought, oh, I could have done a bit better there, and then heart rate kind of confirms that. That's why it's so good to have several indicators when you're going out and doing those key sessions. You know, power was good, heart rate told me that, my sort of perceived effort was about right that I hadn't perhaps pushed quite as hard as I should have in that last 20 minutes. Okay, good times. Okay, we'll sharpen up. Yeah. But then do you go with, you know, you, so 370, but do you say, okay, it's probably more 312? Yeah, exactly. So in my mind, my proper FTP would be about that, and then I kind of work off that. Okay, good times. Uh, let's do Wanger of the Week, John. Wanger of the Week. So... If you want to become, go on our Wanger of the Week, get on Strava, just search under the groups for IM Talk Podcast. I might get on there because I, I did a run with Strava this week. You're already on? Oh, yeah, yeah. We've got 768 members in there. And this last week, the overall winner was Jenna Carr-Seyfried, 22 hours and 35 minutes. Are you on there, Bevan, or not? No. no? I only did a 50-minute run. Yeah. But Pavel Charles Tell you what, when you don't run, and then you go for a run... It hurts the next day. It does. Yeah. 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 I didn't run fast either. I just went, I just went up in the hills for 50 minutes. Yeah. Average five minute Ks, which is pretty, you know, up and down. It's probably about right. Um, yeah, I was pretty sore. Well, Charles this. He was uh, fourth place last week. Also, the odd day off, that comes in handy. I've been swimming really rubbish the last couple of weeks and had a full day off on Sunday because I was organising a race. Do you not have a day off? Sorry? Do you not have a complete day off? No, never, very. They 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 crop up from time to time. They have a forced day off, but no, I have a swim only day, so a day off my legs. I have a day um, off every Friday. I have off nowadays. Yep, that's because you're lazy, and I'm not. Well, <laughs> no. Um, but I had, had to have a day off on Sunday, and yesterday um, was run coaching, so I often don't do a a full workout there. Yep. And then so this morning I was back on back on task this morning. That's good. Good work. How old Thomas took Thomas for a swim this morning. He, I got up at 4.55, five minutes before my alarm. I opened my door. Thomas's door opens at the same time. He goes, oh, I'm awake. I think I'll come for a swim. Oh, nice. Nice. Very good. Did you okay. smash him? Uh, Tom's in a different lane. <laughs> but he still did about 1,500 or so. It's pretty solid. Nice. Okay. Um, questions and answers. Jeff Fairbanks, he's got a documentary that he's done, and it's called The Triumph the Triumph Project. Project.org slash documentary. I'll put a link to it into the show notes. And it's just a documentary he's got around... Um, he did loads of 70.3s. I can't remember how many it was. Oh, was uh, that guy? It was, it was a long time ago, so he's, he's taken his time to get that out. But if you want something to watch, I haven't watched it, go check it out. Okay. Uh, just uh, Tim Hemming sent through, which is the last one we were talking about, the discussion around weight in the sport. And he's got, you mentioned Cycling Network video on race weight uh, this week on the show and physically and mentally deterioration of athletes. That's becoming over-controlling in this area. Dr. Renee McGregor is the dietitian in the short film, but also... I got her together with uh, Jody Kanamana. What? Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Yep. Manamana. And Jess Thomas, uh, who have both spoken openly about their challenges around food and exercise. And coach and lecturer Dr. Andy Kirkland to talk about attitudes with food and triathlon. The link to the QA was basically sent through. He said, I can't take any credit because they basically just gave the answers, but it's a pretty good kind of topic to be talking about. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes because. It's pretty cool. And as he said, as an aside, McGregor is also instrumental in launching an initiative called the Hashtag Train Brave at the weekend in London. This movement looks to provide help and support for those with 
disordered eating in sport and educate them around the subject. So you can look at hashtag train brave. If you know this is a subject that you're a little bit sensitive to and also check out the link to Tim's article on www.iamtalk.me. Question for you, Bevan. So we do always do with James Carnemar. We do the... What are the name of those? Um, it's a, well, they're Muppets. They are. But they've got the noses, haven't they? They're the blue ones, aren't they? They're blue. And they've got the nose. The, the, the That's Gonzo, isn't it? No. If you know the answer to that, then we could give James Carmen that instead of going do 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 do. Well, we'll probably still do that That's as well. That's a pretty good nickname. Um, if we know the name of who we they, those were, okay. then that can be the nickname for the Carnemars. Okay, good work, good work, good work, good work. Okay, so uh, that's pretty much questions and answers. John, patrons. Anthony, the long train running. We've got Mark Richard. Weeks, sorry, long train running weeks. Nice. Uh, we've got Mark Richard Jones, agent 009, because he basically seems to email us from a different location every time. Ross, going deep, Jackson. <laughs> Tell the ladies. Um, okay, if you want to be a sponsor of the show, email us. We need a new sponsor. <laughs> if you want to be a patron, um, you can also just um, go to www.iamtalk.me and it's all very obvious on the patron page. Give us, give us a Christmas present for give the boys. Give the boys a Christmas present. There you go. Uh, actually, and on this, we, we do actually want another sponsor. So if you know someone yeah. who would be interested in sponsoring the show, by all means, let us know. Because we get we're, very good feedback from uh, companies that sponsor the show. Yeah. You guys are a good captive audience. Yeah, totally. Um, if you want um, coaching, check out coachjohnnewson.com. If you want to check out my podcast, I actually had a really good podcast with a, a movement specialist the other day. Um, and I'm interviewing that guy. Have you heard about the guy who, who murdered a guy? In, you mentioned this last week. No, I haven't. Yeah, I'm going to be interviewing him. So I'm going to get them on. I might even put it on the show if it's really good. Um, so bevanjamesowles.com. Uh, you want to email us? I am talk podcast at gmail.com and you can send us some age groupers a week, cool websites, or any other feedback. Jombo, your goss. What's my gosh, Bevan? Last show. God, we're not going to be. Today's the 18th of December. We're like literally having a month off. We won't be back until, yeah, the 20th. Because I'm going away for a couple of weeks. 22nd and Houston Society's just going to have six weeks off. <laughs> Christmas falls on, on podcasting days this year, and New Year's does as well. So Christmas is next Tuesday. Well, we normally take two or three weeks off, but you, then yeah. you go away after that. We, we've, we quite often go away at Christmas time. This year we, we've, got, we've drawn the, the second ballot. Oh, what happens? Because uh, the family's got to share the batch, does it? Yeah, and so we've got the first two weeks in January. Are you slightly gutted? No, I'm fine with it. Uh. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. So me. what are you doing Christmas Day then? We go to my parents' place, keep them company. Yeah. Should be good times. Maybe we'll pop down to the beach. We'll see what happens. Nice. We've got some vermins to look after. The kids won't hear this, so we've got we've got we've got animals turning up. So that's going to be occupying our time. Good times, rock and roll. Uh, Bevan, what's happening? What happened with your... the negotiation around when you give the presents? Yeah, no, I won out. We, we, no, we won out there. We mm. because I helped you tonight. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Thank you very much. So went to Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, on Friday. Jesus Christ yeah. Superstar. Apparently the guy who was was it Judas? Who's, he's the other main guy, isn't yep. he? Apparently he was he got he was on the Voice Australia and maybe won it or got second or something like so that. So I good heard. Though. No, was it this show? I heard he outshined everyone, but he was too good. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could definitely say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard that. You kind of see another level, but in some mm. ways that made everyone else not look so good. Mm. Yep, yep, I agree with that. I've never seen Jesus Christ. Is it a good show? It was a good show. Yeah. Yep. Really What's your good. favorite show? Uh, I've done loads of shows, but probably um, Phantom of the Opera, I'd say. Oh, nice. Mm. The fuck? 
just because you know, I know a lot of the songs because my my father-in-law is a great Andrew Lloyd Webber fan. Oh, and so you, when you go to the shows and you love a lot more of the songs, that's the key. Whereas going to Jesus Christ Superstar and you're few, but not too many. So um, like Jersey Boys, have you ever seen Jersey Boys? No, it's Frankie Valley's story. Yeah, and it's a it's a really good live show. But you did, you know you didn't realize they had so many hits because mm. you just know all the songs. Oh mm. my god, did they sing that one as well? Mm. So that was a pretty cool show for that reason. And jo- Joseph in the Amazing Town, amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. That was good, but that's because we did that as a school production when I was primary, at primary school. <laughs> you, you were in the school production. Oh, I didn't have a major role. I wasn't Joseph oh. or anything like that. But we had all those songs back there. So I remember did the, you the dance? school days. And when I was in the school production, no, I don't think so. We had two. We had Bugsy Malone oh, yeah. and Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I think I, I, I sang. I think I was, I was a good little singer, I think. My problem was... my voice break! My problem was, I thought I was too cool for that shit when I was at school. Yeah. I was too cool for that, so he mm. talks to that. And now, like, oh, I would love to have done it. If I went back to high school today... But my attitude, oh, that's the problem. I wasted high school. What yeah. a waste I did. I wasted it. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. I remember walking through high school when I took Tyler through, you know, just to walk through the school thing. And I thought, oh, I wish I knew what I knew now. Because mm. how many times in life could you go through and just, just try lots of cool shit? Mm-hmm. You know? And at high school, you just think you're the worst time of your life. Mm-hmm. All I cared about was sport and passion. Yeah. Uh. And I did all right those two things, so that was all right. Uh, John, what's happening in your world? Well, well, Christmas. Um, I noticed the trees now up, yeah. and I noticed there's presents under there. Didn't see anyone with uh, any with John written on them. They're all written to you. They're all for you. Um, I haven't done. Yet. I finished work today, and I, and I really need to finish work today. Haven't done any shopping. No, but Joe, Joe's oh done God. it all. Joe, Joe, we're going. We're going shopping. Joe, one thing Joe doesn't like a lot. Is going to the mall and not having a plan. Like and, and my old strategy of Christmas shopping was go to the mall, walk around the mall until you're finished. Right. And eventually you get it done. Mm. But you do one shop. Mm-hmm. That's wise. So Joe's told me, probably, I'm going to say, not exaggerating, 100 times, we're not going to the mall without a list. Every day she probably says, we're going to shop on Thursday and we're not going without a list. So I go, baby, you've told me. And she goes, no, no, we're not going without a list. Yeah. So I'm going to write a list to my day. Good. Finish work today, John. I need to finish work. I've had a busy year. Mm-hmm. Need some sleep. Not busy, you just no, prioritise. I have had a busy year. We have had... When I, I, the other day, I was going through my photos from the year. Jeepers, creepers, a lot's happened this year. Mm-hmm. Huge amount. So I need some holidays, so it's kind of good. And then, so I'm here Christmas Day, and then I fly to Queenstown, then tr- pretty traditional Christmas for mm-hmm. us. Go camping. Secret Santa's turning up today for me. So, who do you just... You, know, who, you work by yourself? No, for uh, family members. Turns up today. Yes, we got we got a family function this afternoon. So oh, you do a family up. today. Yes. What'd you get your secret Santa? I got my secret Santa. Uh, lots of tea, like two different sample packs of tea. So there was like you go into the shop and they had one green tea and there was I don't know how many was in there. You know, ten different sorts. I don't did, know. Did, is there is there a spending budget? Yes, it's supposed to be sixty dollars. I went over budget by ten. Mate, you're a rebel. Yeah, so <laughs> That's, uh, you're so generous. Yeah, and it was Belinda. And uh, wait, for Belinda was your secret center? Yes. How'd that work out? Well, you have five na- uh, five names, and you draw one. So you shouldn't get your partner. Sorry. Well, you get who you're given. You either get your in-laws, my uh, so I got grandfather, not grandfather, father-in-law, father, uh, mother-in-law, or sister-in-law, brother-in-law, or wife. 
I got, I got, because my family, we buy for everyone. Right. So my family, everyone gets a present. We go all out. And Joe's family's gone for the secret. So we spend way more on my family. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Joe's, I've got, I've got the, the, the relation. She's lovely, but God knows what to buy for her. Mm. And I've got her. But I like your tea idea. Yeah, Where'd you get from? Uh, tease me out in Hornby Moor. You've got to go out to Hornby Moor. Well, that's okay because I'm thinking of going to Outlet Moor to get my presents. There you go. So there you go. Tease me. I think that's what it's called. Yep. Okay, there you go. Well, genius. Okay, let's wrap it up. Iron Russ. Oh, oh no, we'll do it next week. I mean, no. Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick hard. hard.